This is Texas Soccer Radio. Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Esto es Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. I am shocked. I'm going to be honest with you. This has been uh, a better sequence than I think anyone could have expected coming into this uh, little stretch of San Antonio FC schedule. So we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about a lot of things tonight on Texas Soccer Radio. My name is Kyle Makey, joined as always by Larry Leathers. Larry, how you doing tonight, man? I've been better. Got some personal stuff going on around the house but uh other than that i'm i'm doing good when it comes to soccer that's for damn sure six points out of those last two games i will take it all day long for sure man um and obviously you know you know my number and i'm sure there's you know lots of help out there if you if you need it on the twitter uh the internet can be fun sometimes but uh we're gonna focus on fun things tonight i guess if if that's the plan um but yeah, soccer, soccer has been good. <laughs> soccer has been very good. Um, I mean, let's take down, you know, Real Monarchs and then uh, bring Phoenix to our house and, and get a win there too. Take it all day long. Fuck yeah, man. And I said focus on fun things. That made it sound like, hey, don't talk about your personal crap. I've been doing that for the last month. So sorry. You do you, man. Didn't mean it like that. No, it's not uh, good. Restart the live show. <laughs> um, beautiful Game Network, thank you so much for uh, letting us be part of the family. You can check out our BGN site. If you go to TexasSoccerRadio.com, um, you will see our BGN site there. You'll see all the other podcasts on the network, and we really enjoy being part of that family. And thank you to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, for helping us do what we do. Uh, you can get... Uh, custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com they are the official scarf supplier to mls usl and u.s soccer who uh we will talk a little bit about u.s soccer shortly as we should (laughs) i tried to make a bad joke there i'm sorry um yeah first let's uh let's dive more into this san antonio fc talk uh safc downs phoenix rising three to two on saturday at toyota field um what were your first thoughts on that what are your your big takeaways off the top well we got one thing right and we got one thing wrong and the one thing right was moses hernandez got his first start for the team at center back as we uh, talked about on the show last week and the one thing we got wrong was who would fill in for omar gordon I don't think anybody called Mike Seth getting the call up to fill in for Gordon while he was off uh, on international duty playing for the Jamaican national team. Um, I certainly didn't expect it, but it got the job done. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Seth has been, we kind of talked about it a little bit last week. Seth has been really playing well in the minutes that he's gotten. He hasn't gotten consistent starting minutes by any means, but I think as far as players on the outside of the formation go, he's up near the top of them for this team. And, uh, you know, obviously Omar Gordon, Lance Lang, it's a a very crowded uh, position. And you throw, you know, Jose Escalante in there and Cesar Elizondo when he's healthy. But 
you know, Mike Seth has, has earned those minutes in my opinion. And I thought uh, Saturday was another example of that. I think the best part about Mike Seth is that he seems to excel no matter where we put him on the field. Um, we just plug him in wherever there's a hole and he at least does a great job of holding his own for the game. Um, maybe not every performance is off the charts amazing, but solid performances all around every time he gets an opportunity. I think that's more than you can ask for at, at this level. Um, when your starters go down or, or are not available for whatever reason, uh, to have someone who can fill in and at least not be a detriment. <laughs> and like I said, I think he's been better than that. I'm not saying he's, you know, just a Band-Aid, but um, yeah, he, he's been solid. And I think that's the best thing for him and for the team right now. Yeah, it's incredibly helpful to have somebody that can just step up to whatever position you ask him to play in. And I obviously I hope we see our, our core group, our core 11 out there every week, but I feel good about having Mike out there if need be. Yeah, he got an assist on the second goal of the night. The, the three goals in the night came from Cyprian Hedrick, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, his first career goal there with an assist from Lance Lang. Uh, the second goal was Ever Guzman with an assist from Mike Seth. And the third one was a PK that was converted by Lance Lang. Um, I, anyway, my, my point with Mike Seth, he got the assist. He, he played well, and I think he's killing it, man. Um, but my big takeaway, and this is not a hot take by any means, but uh, Lance Lang, holy crap, man, pickup of the season potentially. <laughs> like. Uh, I've, I pulled his stats because the USL site has it mixed in with, uh, Cincinnati with his official team, his permanent team for now, maybe. Um, but in the four games that he's played for San Antonio, the first time he appeared, he was a 56 minute sub. And in the three games after that versus RGV at Salt Lake city and versus Phoenix, he has a goal and an assist in each of those three games. (laughs) In three of his four games, he's got a goal and an assist. And the only one he doesn't is when he came on as a sub in the 56th minute. He, he seems to be that offensive spark we've been missing. Um, obviously, those stats tell the tale right there. And I can't – I'm excited. I'm excited, and I really hope that San Antonio makes some sort of push to see if we can acquire him from FC Cincinnati in the offseason. As good as he's been for us, I can't imagine they would have sent him down here to us with the intentions of him moving up with the MLS team next year. So yeah. they, there's clearly enough people ahead of him out there in, in Cincinnati that that probably isn't likely. Um, so hopefully we can capitalize on that opportunity if it exists and bring him in here long term. A couple seasons, next couple seasons maybe. I know we don't yeah. ever get, you know, we don't get – information on signings and how long contracts are for, but I wouldn't be upset about seeing them sign a multi-year deal here in San Antonio. I don't think the Spurs would be upset with that either. (laughs) The way he's been playing. Um, And he's been very vocal on social media on Twitter in particular saying, you know, he's really enjoying his time here so far. And um, you know, it seems like fans are really receptive to him. So if, you know, Cincinnati's moving up to MLS, so if they don't plan on taking him up there, which it doesn't seem like, you know, if he's not getting minutes in USL, he wasn't going to get minutes in MLS with them. Um, right. So it seems like it would make sense. Like, he's playing well here. Things are clicking here. So, you know, if I were him, I would want to be here. And that's all. <laughs> that's it for that, I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, my other big takeaway from the game is – 
we had the whole thing with our ba- where we get our backs up against the wall happen again. And early on in this game, what, 14, 15 minutes in, um, Solomon Asante had a beautiful pass to Chris Cortez for a header that just snuck past Cardoni in the corner. And that kind of sparked everything to get going again. I, yeah. I wish we could find a way to jumpstart this offense in another way that wasn't them putting a goal in early. Because that seems to be what happens pretty consistently with us yeah. lately. Yeah, I think the worst thing you can do if you're a team playing San Antonio is score early. Like, I yeah. think you just want to start trying in the 80th minute and see what happens. But, um, you know, comeback kids, and they made it happen again. Uh, there was that late goal, I think it was the 87th minute from Phoenix. Yes. Last minute yeah, there. They were, they were making a push there at the end there to try and get some goals in there and get an equalizer. Um, that second right. goal for Phoenix came off of a – Free kick right outside the box that was, once again, another beautiful kick from Cortez. Yeah, um, yeah no, it, I don't know what to say about that shot. It was, it, it was gorgeous, and, and Carnoti never even had a chance with yeah, that yet again. Right. Um, we did see a couple former SAFC players. Uh, Jason Johnson, I'm, I believe, is injured and didn't yes. make the trip. Um, but we did see Billy Forbes play the full 90 and Devin Vega came on as a 65th minute sub. Um, no, no Drogba, unfortunately, but you know, didn't really expect it. Um, what did you think about seeing the familiar faces there? I mean, Billy had a couple of opportunities there and we shut him down. So I'm happy about that. Um, Devin came in as a sub midway through the game um, in the second half. And he didn't really get much going for himself. I was absolutely positively surrounded by Devin Vega family all around me in my section. (laughs) Yeah, they were all yelling and screaming anytime he'd stand up from the bench or even walk like he thought he was going to like get to go into the game. Yeah. So needless to say, they lost their minds when he, uh, when he actually made it on the field. I'm sure that's really fun. I remember the first game of the season, first home game of the season, you know, Mikey Lopez had a whole army out there in, in custom shirts with his name and number. And yeah, that's gotta be so cool for a family member to be able to see their guy play at Toyota field. But. There, there was at least a dozen of them around me then yeah. different spots scattered all over, but yeah, it's nice to see them come out and support, support Devin, but I'm not sad that Devin and Billy didn't score goals in this game one bit. <laughs> um, I, I don't think it's too much of a secret. I, I try and kind of fly under the radar and kind of keep a neutral relationship with most of the players, but um, you know, Billy and I, you know, he's he has his opinions and i have mine so uh you know i happy trails good luck <laughs> in fix. Um, uh yeah that's that's about all i have to say about that um speaking of former players let me read you some stats here and i didn't prep you for this so i apologize oh, oh shit here we go <clears throat> this is an article that i'm working on but you know 50 50 shot of me actually finishing it so we'll drop it on the podcast instead Former player? Former SAFC player. Okay. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six matches they appeared. Uh, first match, played 90 minutes, got no goals or assists. Second match, played 90 minutes, got a goal and an assist. Um, third, fourth, and fifth match, started, had to come out early, no goals, no assists. Final match was a late sub, 
and earned a red card 10 minutes later. And that was his final appearance with SAFC. Oh, his final final appearance with SAFC. These are SAFC so, stats. Oh. Talking about the late great Chris Tierpak there. Oh, shit. His 2018 stats for San Antonio FC. I was looking because Lance Lang has had that incredible start. And obviously it's only four matches so far. So I'm trying to wait for the six match mark just to make it a little more fair right. uh, in case he cools down. But Tierpak made six appearances this year. Scored one goal and an assist. Um, was only able to go the full 90 twice. Um, the other four times, it was, you know, he came off in the 81st, 79th, and 61st. And then the last time, he came on in the 75th in Fresno and got a red card in the 88th minute, right about 10 minutes later. So for as much praise as we gave Chris Tierpak on the way into this season, uh, Lance Lang has ended up being the guy that we thought tier pack might be so far. That's true. It's, that's very fair. I'll be honest. When you were starting to read off stats, I was thinking about maybe you were referencing to somebody that was stats from them away from our team since they've left or something, but gotcha. My uh, bad. so I was sitting here going wait, I was trying to, I was honestly <laughs> thought you were transitioning here to Tulsa and I was thinking, yeah. thinking Frank Tayu stats here. And I was like, what's he been doing in Tulsa since he got picked <laughs> up? I know it's, it was, he got picked up midway through the season from Tulsa, so it could be six games, but I wasn't sh- for sure. <laughs> Harry says red card gave it away. Yeah. I can't believe that, man. Like, as much of a fan favorite as Chris Tierpak was, for that to be the end of his time with San Antonio was a red card, like a stupid red card on the road. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway. Let's be honest, it's worked out for him. <laughs> he I mean, left. He won, he won a championship. <laughs> At a lower division, and now he's in Nashville and possibly moving up to MLS. Yeah, maybe. Getting an an audition, at least. I I think he has a chance at it. I think it's more likely we see him uh, in the not-Vegas colors of Austin Bold next year. That's my – excuse the pun, but that's my bold prediction is Tierpak comes home to Austin and uh, jumps over there. Uh, Harry says Frank is in Fresno. I think that is right. Did I have this wrong? Oh, I you're right. Mean, I'm getting my tie in up. Tulsa. Is what there you go. Good call out. I'm, get, I'm getting Tayus mixed up here. It happens, man. Uzi Tayu, right? I think that's what his, name, his brother's so. name is. Uzi Tayu, yeah. defender. Um, so, wrapping up, before we talk about Tulsa and what players they do or don't have. Um, just a quick look at Twitter here. Excuse me. I've been battling a sore throat all week. I've, I realized, so if you listen to a radio show, they do about 10 minutes and then take five minute commercial break. So an hour of radio is actually like 30 minutes of content. We don't do that around here. No, no, we don't talk for an hour. It's hard sometimes first world problems, but um, Harry says, with roster freeze date tomorrow, any last-minute arrivals? Um, none that I've heard of, none that I've seen. Um, I would be most interested to see if Diego Restrepo is moved before that roster freeze date. Um, I know this is the third week or third episode in a row that we've harped on that. Um, I just don't 
see him playing for San Antonio FC ever again. He's injured right now. Um, but with the things he said about not wanting to be here and, uh, you know, yeah. everybody has their moments of snapping, but there's some truth behind what you say in the heat of the moment. So, I mean, what do you, you think we'd pick up a third goalkeeper then tomorrow if we move for Strepo? I mean, I mean, he's still on the roster, right? So if, if they move him, I would think they would just roll with two and, uh, you know, uh, Rashindle is technically an emergency goalkeeper. And um, I feel like there's rules in the USL media guide. I remember reading something about if basically if you run out of goalkeepers, there's special allotments for that. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure if that is reflected on the freeze date or not. I, I'm not sure that that's ever been an issue for USL. But, um, you know, with the 60 teams that they'll have in the next three years, uh, it statistically probably will be at some point but um yeah unfortunately we haven't been able to make it out to training lately just uh other things getting in the way it happens life happens yeah i still really love doing this uh it's just you know schedules change and and that's life (laughs) um so michael says wtf happened to tulsa um they bad man really bad bad is an understatement tulsa's sitting at the bottom of the table they're one of the three teams that have been eliminated from playoff contention they've got a whopping 17 points in the table with two wins and a negative 32 goal differential yeah so crazy. negative 32 goal differential <laughs> that is the worst goal differential in the league right now. oh no it's not richmond is negative 37 but they're farther up in the table yeah they're 15th place yeah, they're one, one spot higher yeah but <clears throat> 30, negative 32 is bad no way no matter what, how you put it so yeah yeah um is one of those teams where they are an independent team with a certain budget and for some of those teams it can be difficult to compete when you look at if you look at the top of the western conference just to narrow it down a little bit um You've got Salt Lake City, Orange County, Portland, Swope Park. Um, half of the top eight there all have tremendous help from an MLS side if they're not directly a two-team like Portland and Salt Lake and Swope. Actually, it's just Orange County that has that affiliation. Um, and then you look at Phoenix and Sacramento. They both have higher budgets compared to a lot of the USL teams from what we know. Um, and then San Antonio and St. Louis are obviously also in those independent categories. And, um, you know, it, it's the, the Western conference is very top heavy. Yes. And I think you, you would see Tulsa do a lot better in the Eastern conference competing against some similar teams. Um, it's, I think it's just a vehicle of being in the Western conference, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's, the Western Conference is tough compared to the East. It'd be nice to see some sort of shakeup. I, I know we've talked about three conferences happening at some point. I don't know when or if it will, uh, but we're getting close to the point where, where it needs to happen. Um, and yeah. that will definitely make things interesting when it comes to playoffs and things going forward. Yeah. Um, one of the things Harry mentions here on Twitter too is, um, who else do you think drops down to USLD3? There's been... There has to be some Western teams that go down. Um, and it's 
it's one of those things where I think the three conferences thing is going to be really difficult while they're still setting up that USL D3. So I think right. we're in store for at least one more year of two conferences. Um, because in the next year, you're losing Cincinnati and Nashville after that. Um, and then in the West, you could potentially be losing um, Phoenix, Sacramento, or San Antonio um, to MLS. And you're losing, um, oh, in the East, Richmond. We've got this later on. Richmond's moving down to D3. So there's, there's also been rumors <laughs> of NFC moving down, like, yeah. moving down to D3. There's a couple other teams that are flirting with that potential move down, not just in the West, but a couple of them in the East. So it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. And while that's going on, you have expansion going on at the same time with El Paso, New Mexico, Austin, all coming in just in the Western Conference, um, and Hartford in the East, and I'm sure there's other ones I'm missing. But uh, yeah, there, it's just so in flux right now that it's hard to pin down where you would make that third league, and yeah, it's it's a mess. They really need to settle down with the expansion and... <laughs> And all the movement. Hopefully establishing this USL D3 could help with all of that and give some more long-term stability to some of these clubs. Um, yeah, it's, it's just so complicated right now. It's very, <laughs> very complicated right now. And it, I think you're right. I think we're probably due for at least one more year of two conferences, maybe even two years of it before it's all said and done and everybody's settled in their positions. With... Uh, with Harry's question, though, as far as other teams that we could see moving down to D3, um, I know you mentioned the rumors about Penn. Uh, we know Richmond's going down. Ottawa released a statement either this week or last week saying they were going to stay in USL for 2019. Um, but I could definitely see them moving down to D3. Um, so I have a question about that, and maybe you know the answer. Um, so Ottawa, Ottawa has said they're going to stay. Can they legally? Because... Technically, they're going to have a first division in Canada starting in 2019. So you'd think with, yeah. I don't know, like with the, I don't know how they're going to pull that off because wouldn't they technically need to move back to division one in Canada since they have an option to do that? I mean, in the past, obviously, the reason we've had Canadian teams playing in USL was because there was no first league in Canada right. in place. Don't they have to, aren't they obligated to make that move? I want to say that you can be grandfathered in um, if you were already in the league before it was established. I'm going to look something up real quick. Um, but the the example that jumps, yeah. So the example that jumped out to me was Swansea in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. um, they are in Wales, I believe. Um, but they play in the English Premier League, and it's because, yeah, there was no Welsh League when they were formed. Um, I'm so. wondering more about, not, not so much that they can maintain their spot with the USL, but that the Canadian League could say, yeah, no, you can't do that. Like, their home country could overrule that rather than yeah. USL. Like, USL will give them their spot, obviously. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure it would be in their jurisdiction or not i feel like that's a f man i don't know that's it's complicated right <laughs> it's complicated i think based on the fifa rules they are able to be grandfathered into the existing league um 
I don't think that other countries give their associations the uh, um, ability to do that. <laughs> U.S. soccer and MLS and USL are um, very close. <laughs> Harry's backing you up for what it's worth on, on uh, chiming in on Periscope saying that it's a grandfather <laughs> issue. So, yeah. And he's also mentioned that it's why Toronto, uh, Toronto 2, FC2 is moving to USL D3. Yeah, there you go. Um, it yeah, makes sense. Surprising. I, I would think they would want to, well, I guess I was going to say, I would think they would want to play in the Canadian League, but thinking about it geographically, there's probably a lot more teams closer to them in the United States than there would be venturing over into central Canada. Um, well, none of those teams in like Canada none of them are close to each other. Like everything is spread out in Canada. I love, I love whenever the Vancouver Toronto rivalry games are going on (laughs) and you look at a map and you're like, really? (laughs) It's like Atlanta versus, you know, LA. Is that really a rivalry? There's a thousand miles between your cities. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, in the Western conference, um, I could see, and this is pure speculation, but I could see Tulsa moving down just because it seems like their budget is less than other teams. Um, and again, this is speculation, so I don't want to don't want to make it sound like I know something or this is a scoop or whatever. But it wouldn't surprise me to see RGB move down, and it would bum me out if that happened. But um, we saw a lot of front office movement a couple weeks ago, and that's not always great. Um, it, it's I don't know anything uh, on what's going on in RGB. Um, but they were actually the team I was going to bring up next was yeah. as a potential possibility. I can, I can see it happening. Like you said, I wouldn't want to see it happen. Um, but at least if that falls apart, we know we'll have a rivalry up 35 in Austin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's USL D3. That'll be fun times. Um, thanks to everybody who wrote in on Twitter. Um, you can, if you ever have any questions, comments, you want to bring a topic up for the show, hit us up on Twitter at TX Soccer Radio, uh, or you could call and leave a voicemail at 210-807-3435. Again, 210-807-3435. Uh, you can leave that voicemail. We can play it on the podcast if it's uh, not too, too rowdy there. <laughs> but um, yeah, fun times. Um, Harry Harry chimed in again on Periscope and said that there were talks about RGV moving down to D3, um, but that per Down in the Valley, um, another USL podcast out there about RGV, they said that they were going to stay put. Oh, there you go. Um, I still, you know, things change really quickly in US soccer, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it happened. But I do believe those guys, and... Uh, you know, they've, they've got better sources down there than I, I do sitting here just guessing from my office. <laughs> I, the problem is I don't see anybody else from the Western Conference moving down looking at the table. Well, one of the funny things I noticed this week, Seattle, even though uh, Sounders 2 is doing very poorly this year, again, they are right above Tulsa. Um, even though they're doing poorly, their attendance is up by like, a thousand uh uh per game their home games um Hmm. so that move to tacoma you know it could kind of reinvigorate this franchise and kind of give it a more permanent 
feeling and its own identity rather um, as they, as they further distance themselves from the first team and not playing at Starfire anymore and all that stuff. So I thought that was interesting just that their attendance was way up this year compared to previous years. Good for them. I mean, if they're getting butts in the seats, good for them. Yeah. It's still not, you know, it's not Cincinnati. It's not San Antonio, but uh, you know, it's better than RGV. Yeah. Well, let's get, back on, yeah, let's get back on track with Tulsa here. So Tulsa yeah. comes to town. No, wait, we go to Tulsa this week. Yes. We, we go to Tulsa. One okay field in Tulsa. <laughs> and it's yeah. not one okay field. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I love that name. It just sets that dad joke up perfectly. Um, yeah. Another baseball diamond, which like, I'm not trying to shit on, teams that use baseball diamonds you do what you have to do but we are absolutely trying to shit on teams that use baseball diamonds <laughs> get that shit out of usl no more baseball no more soccer fields on baseball fields okay end that now did you see the flood at the louisville field this, uh, yes it's ridiculous <laughs> but it's a baseball field what do you expect yeah that was pretty rough there were some very unhappy people on social media that traveled hours and hours and hours to go to that game and were not able to attend because it didn't happen. Well, you remember when uh, San Antonio played in Vegas this year, Ever Guzman finally scores his first goal and gets hurt in the run-up because that field was so garbage. Um, Hence why I say get rid of baseball fields in soccer stadiums, like soccer fields. Like, don't... Yeah don't do that shit people get hurt it's not conducive to good play then you got all this bumpy crap everywhere just end it get a proper stadium (sighs) but with Tulsa uh Joaquin Rivas is their leading scorer with 10 goals on the season uh followed by Jesus Feria Feria man it's Feria yeah Feria Feria there's another R in there man (sighs) Welcome to your pronunciation with the Kyle Menke section of the show. (laughs) Reading with Kyle. Um, Yeah, I need a pronunciation. You had Ferreira. Anyway, six goals (laughs) on 18 shots. Um, uh, There's a couple familiar faces, but overall, you know, with this team last year, we saw a lot of tension between some of the players that were there and. the the general man or the coach the head coach um and so it doesn't surprise me to see a change there it doesn't surprise me to see a lot of changes on the roster um it's it's just unfortunate man i feel for these fans well i mean what what do you expect out of this game these guys are the king of the tie. There's only two other teams in the entire league that have more ties than Tulsa, and that's RGV and the Charleston Battery with 12 ties. They've got 11. There's a couple other teams at 11, but, yeah, it's, they're, they're the king of the ties there. They're shooting for it. At the SA Mexican on our live chat says, come on, Kyle, Spanish names. It's not <laughs> that it's Spanish. It's that I can't read my content. <laughs> I can't read. Excuses. Um, (laughs) Man, I'm going to get so much shit for this episode. Bad enough. So what's different about this from any other episode? Fair enough. I've been extraordinarily (laughs) bad tonight. Thank you again to the Beautiful Game Network (laughs) and to Roughneck Scarves. Um, Yeah, I just, 
I think this is a game that San Antonio can't take lightly. And I, I don't want to be Mr. Negativity, but I think they're going to go in there taking it lightly. And I think they're going to come away with a tie after taking down two of the hottest teams in the Western Conference. Um, Tulsa is not a good team, but they can show up and play in a one-game sample just like anybody. So um, I, I think this is a little bit of a trap game. I don't think it'll be a loss, but I would be impressed if San Antonio came away with three points. Well, the last time we played them earlier this season, it was a tie. It ended 1-1. Granted, that was at the very front end of the season. So there's been a lot of changes on this team since then. Um, I, I think we need to walk out of there with three points, especially to bolster our standings, our spot in the standings here in the Western Conference. Um, if we're able to walk away with three more points, we'll possibly, yeah, we'll hop up a spot with over Swope potentially depending on how their game goes this week yeah i you have to get three points like if you want to make the playoffs you have to beat tulsa you can't draw them after taking down two of the top three um i just i hope they can do it i hope san antonio can do it i just like we talked about earlier they need that fire under them to get going in these games and that worries me about a game against the bottom of the table that's already been eliminated from the playoffs. Like you have to have a really strong mentality going into that. And the team has shown that they have um, a strong mentality in coming back, but not necessarily in starting. And that's worrisome. Yeah. Well, at least we should be at full strength for this game. Um, Omar Gordon will be back with the team from his international stint with Jamaica. Um, So I would expect we'll see him back out in his normal position for this one. Uh, Hopefully Gordon and Lang can get it done again. Yeah. Yeah, Gordon Lang and Guzman, all three of them. I I really think the biggest X factor is going to be that defense again. And, uh, hoping that the back line can hold up against Tulsa, which they should, um, but we'll see. And speaking of the back line, I want to make sure we plug Jonathan Check wrote a phenomenal article on Cyprian Hedrick and, and his big turnaround this season. Um, you can check that out at 210soccer.com. Um, again, that's, that's the top article over there right now uh, from Jonathan Check. And please give that a read because, you know, he, he – <laughs> He really dove deep into some stuff there, and I thought it was really great. So, um, yeah, anyway. Article turned out amazing. (laughs) Sort of self-promotion. I didn't write it. (laughs) We don't make any money from that site, but, you know. Uh, Jonathan did a great job with it. He did a great job with it, for sure. All right, so uh, let's move into some national team discussion here. Um, We are not going to talk that much about the fact that the game ended uh, with the U.S. beating Mexico, um, because while that's nice, I don't think it was the most important thing that happened that night. Not by a long shot. Um, <laughs> Matt Miazga, the rivalry is alive is alive and well with him between the U.S. and Mexico, taking some uh, bait and switch techniques there to an extreme and uh, making some short jokes at. Uh, a Mexican player on the field. <laughs> there was a lot of discussion about this on the internet and a lot of people really didn't like it. <laughs> um, I look, I'm not going to tell you how to feel about it. If you think it was inappropriate, that's your opinion. If you think it was racist, that's also your opinion. I don't share that opinion. 
um, by any means. Um, but as a as a relatively short guy, I feel like I appreciate the joke. <laughs> like, and Matt Miazga is six four. He's a big and, and and I I'm sorry I do not remember the name of the player that he did that to, but he's five six. Yeah, I do. I remember his height. I don't remember his name, <laughs> which is horrible. Like it's it's nothing that isn't true. Matt Miazga just went out there and baited them a little bit and. Yeah, got, got the Mexican side all riled up. <laughs> there was some pushing and shoving. It looked like people were coming off the bench. Yeah, it, big mess out there. And like being tall doesn't make you a good soccer player. Um, you know, with the seven foot Lionel Messi that's out there, right? Um, so like, people took it way too seriously on the internet. <laughs> like, it wasn't about American machoism and everything else. He was just fucking with an, a rival like that's all it was is a little shit talk and i love it and i'm here for it and i think that bodes really really well for this matchup going into the future because we've been talking for the last year plus about the future and uh, about gearing up for the next world cup and what this team looks like without michael bradley and clint dempsey and josie altador hopefully um all those guys so um to see these young guys come in and you know maybe it was inappropriate maybe you shouldn't have done it but to see them come in and have that fire and that passion in a friendly like i love that i'm here for that all day i will take that all day over a team that doesn't look like they care yeah, no, it, I don't think there was anything wrong with it. It was classic shit talking on the field, getting the other players had stuff. And there are a million other things he could have done that would have been a ton worse out there on that field to try and bait that guy. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I think it was harmless. I truly didn't believe that. It was harmless. It got the job done. It was damn effective, yeah. but it was harmless in the big scheme of things. I loved it. Um, and joking aside from earlier the game did in one nil with the tyler adams goal in the 71st minute um after one of the mexican players was sent off on a red card um i i liked what i saw just joking we're not going to break down the game because it was a friendly and there's not that much to take away from a game where some of your best players aren't there like christian pulisic but um i'm really liking seeing some of these younger names popping up more regularly with Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, uh, Timothy Wea, And I, I still think we need to replace that forward. <laughs> I don't love seeing Jazzy uh, uh, Zardas out there. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, I think there was a lot to love about these two friendlies and it gets me excited again. It, it has me keyed into the national team again after the disaster that was uh, qualifying in 2017. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is exactly what we said needed to happen. This was a, th these friendlies and all this time since we failed to qualify was the time for the young, young players to shine. And we've seen some people step up and it bodes well for our future on the national level. Um, anything else you want to talk about with the national team before we dive into a little MLS expansion talk? talk, let's, talk. let's get there. Let's go to the expansion talk. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so Don Garber chatted a little bit this week with a couple different outlets, it seems. Um, but the one that we are going to focus in on was with the Tennessean, um, where he 
discussed um, kind of the strategy for um, expansion going forward. And it says that he, we have not established a timetable for that next round, but between the five or six or seven that are still in the mix, we'll pick two of them and we'll figure out how they're going to roll out so that we can be a fully expanded league. Um, and then it talks about asking the, the pecking order of the competing cities. And he said, every time I get asked that question, I have somebody in some city getting mad at me. Garber said, I haven't announced anything on those cities but we're still engaged in Detroit. We're still engaged in San Diego. We're still engaged in Cincinnati, which is weird. Um, St. Louis has been floating around a little bit. There's been some talk in Charlotte. There's been some talk in Las Vegas and Phoenix. Um, We'll engage in those cities and blah, 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 blah. It goes on. Um, I know there was another point you wanted to talk about and I want to go there, but before we do, I just want to point out that list of cities he mentioned. Um, St. Louis, wait, was St. Louis one of the, I don't think St. Louis was one of the final like expansion markets because they had the stadium issues. Um, Vegas definitely was not. (laughs) Um, I don't believe San Diego was. I think Charlotte was, weren't they? Or no, it was Raleigh that was, no, there was Raleigh and Charlotte, wasn't it? God, I need that list in front of me now. Um. But San Diego definitely wasn't. So it's interesting that this list of, what was it, 12 cities or eight cities that had their bids in in January of 2017, uh, apparently that's out the window now if you're just taking bids, not taking bids, but having discussions with Las Vegas and St. Louis and San Diego. Um, And I don't want to dive deep on this point because it's just pure speculation, but that definitely opens the door to Austin being an expansion market or Columbus being an expansion market, depending on how you want to phrase that. Um, So it's, uh, I thought that was interesting and I think MLS needs to be careful there. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it doesn't seem like your bid matters anymore based on what he had to say here out in uh, Nashville. It seems like whatever cities they're homing in on, that's that's who's going to get it rather you whether you put in a bid or not um but he listed six cities he said there were six or seven so who knows who that un- unmentioned seventh city in is it could be san antonio although i doubt it at this point um and we always we, we shouldn't dissect every single word he says because sometimes he just throws numbers out there and it gets taken too literally but right. yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but no, no, no. That's You're exactly what I did. <laughs> it's a it's a fair point. Um, another thing that came out of this was the fact that he said that expansion was done in the southeast. Um, now with Miami coming in and um, the other teams down there, it's apparently it's as crowded as it's going to get, at least at this point right now. Which uh, Tampa was one of the cities that had put an expansion bid in, so maybe he just kind of dropped the bomb on that one. Not really sure if that's the case or not, but I know Tampa was was still hoping to get a get a team there. Well, that's that's kind of the funny thing with how it was phrased because I've seen it reported as southeast and as south. Um, if it's southeast, it makes a lot of sense because you've got Atlanta, Orlando, Miami, um, and <clears throat> that's that's a pretty crowded market right there, um, and then that would negate probably Tampa and the Carolina bids, I would say. 
Um, but if it's the South, that's kind of a bigger deal because then you're including Nashville and, uh, you know, it, it, and Austin potentially. So I wouldn't include like, like I would, the South to me would be like Texas East. Right. Um, I don't think Phoenix or San Diego or anything like that would count as the South. Well, the guy who had mentioned the South rather than the Southeast was Mike Gramajo. He's a sports writer for the Orlando Sentinel. Um, he had put out a comment that wasn't a direct quote from what Garber said and said, and used the word the South rather than the Southeast. Um, I did reach out to him on Twitter and he did send a corrected tweet out. So he did mean to see, say the Southeast, not mm. the South in the original tweet. There you go. That was an oversight on his part. So as far as we've heard, the South is not the word that was used it was the southeast that's what happens when we show prep at noon and then don't update anything (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i don't want to get into a whole mls expansion discussion or anything because there's not much to talk about but the big takeaway for me is that done in the southeast not a huge surprise with miami finally coming together um the big surprise to me is the other markets that are in discussion and right. acknowledged as being in discussion. Um, and I get it. Vegas would be a very interesting MLS team, um, but they didn't put in a bid. And Austin, we've talked about, would be a, a solid market for an MLS team. Um, but it, as an expansion team, that skips a lot of the processes that were right. reached a year and a half ago. So, I mean, Las Vegas is quickly becoming a hotbed for major league sports. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if the opportunity arose to stick a soccer team out there um, at a higher level than USL, that they would jump on it in a heartbeat. (laughs) We're going to talk more about Las Vegas in a little bit, but uh, I got word today that someone I know went to Las Vegas and came back with bed bugs and lice and, uh, I won't name the hotel that they stayed at, but uh, yeah, it was, I'm not traveling ever again. Well, I mean, right off the bat, he did it wrong because he got bed bugs, which means he slept in the bed, which means he wasn't in the (laughs) casino all night long. You're not supposed to sleep in a bed when you go to Las Vegas. You're supposed to either be in the pool or be in the the casino (laughs) or at a show the entire time. You don't sleep. You breathe in all that oxygen they pump in there and you stay up all night long the entire trip. So maybe he did it to himself. I want to take me back. I want to go back with you. (laughs) Let's do it. Um, Yeah. Anything else on MLS expansion before we jump into these quick hits and call it a night? Nope. Let's, let's get to it. All right. Well, let's start in Vegas since we're already kind of on the uh, topic here. They did their helicopter drop. Uh, They dropped thousands of dollars of cash uh, onto their field for 200 fans to run around and try and grab. And it was just as hilarious as I thought it would be. Absolutely. $5,000 in cash dropped out of that helicopter. Um, complete clusterfuck out there in the middle of the field. Um, <laughs> I didn't see it from the pictures I saw. It didn't look like anybody ran away with more than, you know, like 40, 50 bucks, but it's a, it's a fun promo nonetheless. Yeah. I, I didn't think about the mechanics of it, but dropping the cash, a lot of it just kind of blew out and like kept like out of reach for a long time. So um, was it good for the um, 
image of U.S. soccer? Probably not, but it got a lot of people talking about USL and talking about the Las Vegas team. So I, is it good for U.S. soccer? No. Is it absolutely positively 110% what I expect out of Las Vegas lights? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, the other two things we have here on the list. First one, Chad Ochocinco, former NFL wide receiver, um, says he's training to be an MLS goalkeeper, uh, as reported by TMZ, uh, says that he is 100% serious about it. No, no, th- you got to get the quote right. He's dead ass serious. <laughs> dead ass serious about becoming a goalie. And not just for any team. He's got his sights set on Inter Miami in 2020 he thinks that with two years of training he will be ready to go as an athletic freak and get out there to play soccer and if he was offered an nfl contract right now he said he would turn it down for an mls contract if that was the other alternative that man is 40 years old he'll be 41 in january (laughs) that man will be 60 and he'll still be able to outrun me under outrun me when i was 20 that's fair that's no arguments there (laughs) directed at me as well um this is this really isn't any crazier than usain bolt going out there and trying to play professional soccer let's be honest it's not that much crazier I would love to see him play goalkeeper for a USL team though. Like he's yeah. obviously not going to get picked up by an MLS team, but um, <laughs> put that in the quote bank for a few months from now. Just like when I said, there's no way Didier Drogba was coming to Phoenix, but he's going to uh, go to the inter inter Miami tryouts when they happen. So that would be so who funny. knows it, it if anybody can get a hold of uh, a hold of Beckham and try and make a tryout happen, it's probably him. He's got the the social media pool to make it happen. And uh, the last thing on the quick hits here before we call it a night, uh, interesting intersection of hobby or not hobbies, but interests uh, in our lives um, as the Philadelphia Union of MLS hatch a snake mascot. Um, I say this because you have worked with snakes in the past. We I have. lived together. There were many snakes in our home. Um, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> um, but this snake, you want to give us your uh, I, professional opinion here? <laughs> I'm just happy that they actually used an animal that can actually hatch out of a snake for once. That's fair. <laughs> Compared to Sting, Stinger, whatever the hell, Sting, the, the mascot for the scorpions. That was atrocious but it was also the first thing i thought of when i saw the picture that day because i had no clue that they were doing a mascot reveal and suddenly there's pictures all in my timeline of this purple and green snake with some mascot named fang popping out of it but it has Um, arms it does have arms. a snake with arms is just a lizard right (laughs) pretty much to be honest um i think mascots in professional soccer are god-awful I don't think that they should exist in professional soccer, at least in USL level and up. The smaller teams, okay, fine. You need something, some gimmick to bring in, bring in the fans. But I, I'm not a fan of the move for the mascot in general, but I'm happy they at least got an animal that actually hatches out from an egg this time, unlike what the Scorpions did. Um, what about... Are there any mascots in American soccer that we can point to and be like, yeah, I'm glad that one exists because I'm having a tough time. 
All I can think no. of Harry from uh, Swope Park. Rain. And Trucky. Oh, Harry Trucky. And, I forgot about Trucky. Harry and Trucky. Those are the two that uh, always come up to the front of memory. Trucky is Reno. Is that right? Reno, yeah. Reno or Fresno or one of those. Reno. Oh, uh, no. Do, do, Fresno has one too. Don't they have a fox? Oh, they do. Oh, I think they, they do. They do, but I can't remember what his name is. <laughs> so I, I, I get the... I don't know what's the the history behind the snake in the Philadelphia Union logo because there's a snake in their logo, but I have in their crest. I just have no clue why. You know, that's a good question. I'm not I'm not MLS historian guy by any means, but I'm sure Philly isn't like the hotbed of the reptile world. I mean, it's it would make more sense for a snake in a logo in South Central Florida coming to the Miami squad, but I don't know. I'm going to find this out. <laughs> Which, um, speaking of Miami, are they going to have a heron as a, as a mascot now? <laughs> so I have so many good things to say now. <laughs> according to Wikipedia, the rattlesnake pays homage to the join or die political cartoon by Ben Franklin. Uh, it's not a snake where it's cut up into sections. It's a purple and blue snake. Purple, yeah. blue, and green. That's not a rattlesnake at all. <laughs> now i need to find pictures does it even have a rattle on the end i don't know i haven't seen the back all i saw was the video and like to be fair it's for the kids and the kids liked it but like it's just weird oh i guess the one if you count this as a mascot um the timbers the lumberjacks that they have timber joey okay all the different timber like lumberjacks that they have that makes sense yeah. if you count those as mascots and not just like part of the supporters group or whatever it may be. But as far as like costume mascots. Okay. So now that I brought up Miami, I have to ask the question, <coughs> do they have a heron for a mascot? I hope so. And do they make, I don't know. It'd probably be a mistake, even though I think they'd be able to get away with it since it's a bird. And I work with birds for a living. And I know there's tons of colleges that use birds and eagles and stuff for, you know, flights and stuff. What if they got a live heron to do flights across the stadium to kick off show, kick off games? Hey, man, you should put in your application if they need a bird handler. <laughs> get some Miami coverage there locally. They would be the second Miami team to use a live animal as a mascot that I know of because the Dolphins used an actual dolphin. No, they from, did not. So, so you know, like in the, the Ace Ventura movie, they <laughs> snowflake the dolphin. That concept is real. because back in the 60s they actually used to use a dolphin from the miami aquarium named flipper named flipper and they would truck him to the games every week and put him in a a a pool next to the field (laughs) and then after the game load him up and truck him back to the miami aquarium (laughs) i took my dog to the post office today in the back of my car but that's it's not the same thing. <laughs> it's it's not even close. It was a horrible mistake, but they only did it for like, I think it was two seasons, maybe. <laughs> maybe three. It would be the Seaquarium that would do that. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> wow, this derailed. We need to do a mascot show, like just an entire hour dedicated to mascots and the best and the worst and probably mostly the worst. Um, can't do that tonight though because we are pretty much out of time (laughs) (laughs) 
I hope they. I hope Miami gets a, a real bird though. That would be cool. I think I think you got to do two of them. Now that I think about it, two for the logo. Have two, and have them come together. Oh. Have two herons fly across or fly side by side across the stadium. That would be. I dope. could dig it. That I could dig cool. it. I'm trying to think of like other gimmicky things that they could do, but that I think that one would work. I think, that one would work. I think it's feasible. I mean, I've trained flights with crowned cranes before long distance ones longer distances than a football field or a soccer field it'd definitely be doable Um, yeah i don't know that'd be kind of cool all i can think i was trying to think of a mascot for the miami team and all i could think of was just having a big pile of white powdery substance and just that be the mascot does does pitbull jump into it oh my yes (laughs) right there is that every goal the smoke is from him jumping into a big a big pit of white dust dust rises up from the field i can't wait for the miami team i'm gonna be honest (laughs) much shit as everyone has talked about that i'm i'm very excited i'm super excited i'm i'm buying that kit the day it comes out it's happening i'm buying the kit oh man We've completely gone off the rails again. Totally off the rails. Anything else you want to talk about before we call it a night? I think it's time to wrap it up before we get any further off of track here. Well, again, please make sure you go check out Jonathan Check's article at 210soccer.com on Cyprian Hedrick. It is high quality stuff there. Um, Uncut Miami quality stuff there. Um, Thank you to the Beautiful Game Network for helping us do what we do. You can go to TexasSoccerRadio.com and see our BGN site and check out other great podcasts while you're there. Um, Thank you also to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. You can get your custom scarves at RoughneckScarves.com, R-U-F-F-NeckScarves.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, If you feel like it we would love for you to go to um the podcast app that you use and leave us a review um i know for apple in particular they've streamlined it all to where you can just leave a star review now and you don't have to write anything so uh that helps us out a lot if you feel so inclined um other than that thanks a lot for listening and we will catch you next week